are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. All right, take your Bible, please. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4 tonight. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. It is good to be in church on Wednesday night. Thank you for being faithful to the house of God. And uh, maybe you're batting 1,000 already for 2021. That's a pretty good percentage. Let's just keep it going. And uh, I've enjoyed the service tonight. I was standing in the hallway here before uh, I came up, and there are three pictures in this hallway. And if you get an opportunity to come and uh, look sometime, there are three pictures, three different stages of the property that we're on now. And uh, the first picture, there's just pretty much this building here, and it's pretty barren and uh, not really that impressive. Then the second picture you can see where God had blessed and things had expanded and it had a little bit of a facelift, looked more like this place. And then the third picture, you could see it, and it looks like it does tonight pretty much. And I sat there and thought, look what God did. I mean, to see these empty, uh, just pretty much empty lot back here and a lot of grass, a lot of uh, just uh, empty space, and then buildings started to pop up. I don't know about you, but I kind of feel like that if God wanted to do a work back then to bring it to where we are now, He probably has plans for us now on into the future. And I believe God has some great things in store for us. And uh, I'm glad God isn't interested in the news report. Not worried about it at all. And uh, God's not shaking up on His throne. He's not nervous. God has no ulcers in His belly. God's doing just fine upon the throne. He's still in control. I'll tell you what you ought to do. I'll tell you what to help you. It would help you a little bit. helps me a little bit if you would just praise God anyhow. You ever heard that statement? Praise God anyhow. Praising God, praising God might not get you out of the valley, but praising God will get you into God's presence. And I tell you, when you get into His presence, everything is all right, and I'm glad everything's all right in our Father's house. Tonight, I'm going to preach on a truth that I believe God probably ordained perfectly for this night. It might not have been necessarily what I'd have planned or what we'd thought, but what a comforting fact it is. I'm glad, like uh, Brother Everson mentioned in the beginning of the meeting, this world is not our home. We're just passing through. This is just like a flea hopping on the tail of eternity. You blink your eye and it's over with. And we're heaven bound with the hammer down. And one of these days we'll see Jesus face to face. And by the way, that could happen before you pillow your head tonight. We could be in his presence. And I want you to see this truth tonight. First Thessalonians chapter number 4. We'll begin reading in verse 13. And if you're under the tents and would like to stand, you may. If you're all wrapped up and real toasty, then you have to make your own decision about that. I understand how it is. If you're able to stand, let's stand and we'll read the word of God together. First Thessalonians chapter number 4, verse number 13. The Bible said, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Now that means those who are dead. That you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also at sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. I like that word shall, don't you? That's a certainty it's going to happen. Verse 17, Then we which are alive and remain 
shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, here's a good word, comfort one another with these words. Tonight, I'm thinking about the context of the book of 1 Thessalonians as Paul writes to these Christians. And these Christians are a little bit worried. They're a little bit unnerved, a little bit upset, a little bit discomforted because somebody has preached to them, maybe they've just thought about it themselves, that those who had died would somehow be left when the rapture took place. That somehow maybe they wouldn't see their loved ones again who had died in the Lord. So Paul gives them the truth of the rapture and he said, you and I who are alive won't prevent them who are asleep. The dead in Christ will rise first and then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them. And he said, here's what I want you to do. This will give you comfort. This will give you a little bit of solace and consolation and peace in worry times, troubled times. Remember the rapture. Tonight, I want to preach on that. Last week I preached on, hey, you want to pay attention to this. He's coming. He came. But tonight I want to preach on this thought, remember the rapture. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for power to preach. I pray that you'd speak to us. I pray this truth would become very real to us. We know the truth, but I pray that you'd resurrect it in our heart tonight. Help us to look up in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. In the early 1800s, there was a Scottish preacher also a man who wrote very many hymns named Horatio Bonner. They say that the preacher was always thinking about the rapture or the return of Christ. They say the last action that he would take each night before he'd go to bed is he'd look out the window and up to the heavens and he'd say this, perhaps tonight, Lord. Then when he'd wake up in the morning, Jesus having not come, the first thing he'd do in the morning is he'd open the blinds, he'd watch as the sun was rising on the horizon and he'd say, perhaps Today, Lord, I think the two sweetest truths for the child of God have to be first, Jesus came, and secondly, Jesus is coming again. For the Christian, you and I might not ever have to attend our own funeral. We might get to skip the casket and get caught up in the clouds. Tonight, I want to challenge you, remember the rapture. Tonight, we can rejoice that Jesus has appeared to die for our sins. Thank God he came. Right now we can rejoice that Jesus does appear at the right hand of the Father on our behalf. He's alive. But I'm glad we can also rejoice that someday soon Jesus is coming again. Thank God to call us to come up hither. As redeemed sinners, we can look back to Jesus as Savior. As Christians today, we can look up to Jesus as interceder. And as part of the bride of Christ, we can look forward to Jesus coming as our suitor. He's coming for us. We're the church. He's the head of the church. He's coming for us. We're the branch. He's the root. And he's coming for us. We're the object of his love. He's the lover. And he's coming for us. We're the building. And he's the cornerstone. Thank God Jesus is coming for us. Tonight, church, we must remember the rapture. In the New Testament, about one out of every 25 verses deals with some aspect of Jesus coming. Over 300 times, Christ's return is referenced in the New Testament alone. 
That's about every 25 verses, regardless of the prior topic or the current theme, the Holy Ghost pumps the brakes, puts the writer on pause, and has him remind the reader, Jesus is coming again. It's like the Holy Spirit wants to emphasize the truth. You would do well to remember that Jesus is coming. Can I say in a world like we're living in tonight, in days like we're living through today, with news like, like we have happening at the moment, I think it'd be very good for you and I to get our mind off of that, our mind onto this, and remember the rapture. Jesus himself preached about his coming. In John 14, it was quoted earlier. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. I'm glad it didn't say rooms. It says mansions. Say amen right there. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. That where I am, there you may be also. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's saying, don't let yourself be worried. Don't let your heart be troubled but if worry does come and if trouble does come here's the remedy for worry here's the fix all for trouble remember I'm coming again remember the rapture angels preached about the rapture in Acts chapter number one, two men in white apparel appeared and they said, ye men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus that was just taken from you into heaven shall so, shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. It's as if they're saying this, there's a work to do for God. I understand Jesus has ascended, but there's still a will of God for your life. Don't let yourself be worried. Don't let yourself be troubled. The same Jesus that went up is gonna to come back down remember the rapture Paul preached about the rapture he preached about the rapture from Philippians to Thessalonians he preached about it from Titus to Hebrews he's writing to Christians who live in the last days he's encouraging preachers to stay at their post he's telling these churches to keep themselves clean and it's like he's saying here's your motivation for standing with courage here's your motivation for standing with conviction here's how you say steadfast and unmovable remember the rapture. Tonight it's a great truth and what a joy it is to know that the same Jesus who created everything that is, is coming again. And the same Jesus that was born of a virgin is coming again. And the same Jesus that lived a sinless life is coming again. And the same Jesus who healed the sick and raised the dead and gave hope to the hopeless is coming again. The same Jesus that was beaten, ridiculed, mocked, scorned, and nailed to a cross for our sin is coming again. The same Jesus that was buried in a barred tomb is coming again. The same Jesus that rose from the dead is coming again. The same Jesus that ascended to the Father is coming again. One of these days, he'll part the clouds like Moses at the Red Sea. There'll be a shout, a trump, and the dead in Christ will rise, and you and I that are alive will be caught up together to be with Christ in the air. Paul said, comfort one another with these words. He's saying, this will help you. This will give you some peace. This will give you some stability. Don't forget, remember the rapture. You might forget your age. You might forget an appointment. You might forget to brush your teeth or wear deodorant. And if you did, God bless whoever's around you tonight. But don't you forget the rapture. Now, as you study through the book of Thessalonians, first and second, you find that first Thessalonians deals primarily with the rapture of the church. 
while 2 Thessalonians deals primarily with the tribulation that will follow the rapture of the church. Now, as you consider the second coming of Christ, we have to understand that the second coming is broken up into two parts or two phases. Those two parts of the second coming are separated by seven years of tribulation upon the earth. The first phase of Christ's second coming is when Christ comes in the clouds for his church and that happens before the tribulation. The second part of his second coming is when Christ comes to earth with his church, overthrows the armies of the Antichrist, establishes his kingdom upon the earth. So the first phase deals with the church. The second phase deals largely with Israel. Tonight, if we were to take Bible prophecy, lay it out on a timeline, and then step back and view Bible prophecy. Tonight we would find ourselves standing somewhere between Christ's ascension and our own ascension. We're living tonight between Calvary and eternity for the church of God. We're right on the threshold of our calling out, gathering together, and heading up to glory with our Savior. Tonight picture it like this. Imagine all these Bible events sitting in a divine waiting room. We've all sat in a waiting room before and the receptionist is there to call out names in the waiting room. Names have been called and some are still remaining. On her list she would see names like creation but it's marked off. She would see the incarnation of Christ but that's marked off. She'd see the establishment of Israel but that is marked off. She'd see a Calvary but that is marked off. She could look and see the resurrection that is marked off. There's also the millennial kingdom, the tribulation all of these things and the rapture of the church. If that divine receptionist was to stand and call out the next name without doubt according to the Bible the next prophecy to be fulfilled is the rapture of the church. By that I mean nothing else has to happen prophetically for Jesus to come for you and I. His return is imminent and it can happen at any moment. We sing the song sometimes. It says it right. It says it could happen in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, it could happen in a moment. He could split the eastern sky. Though our hearts will feel unworthy, yea, how happy we will be when the Savior comes from heaven, when his blessed face we'll see. And the second verse is even better. It says, I'm listening every moment for the mighty trumpet sound. What a time we'll have together when the saints will leave the ground. All our toiling will be over. All our sorrow and its pain. It could happen in a moment. Jesus Christ could come again. And can I say that's the truth. There's nothing hindering. There's nothing holding him back. There's nothing halting it. Jesus could come before we finish the service tonight. Tonight, church, remember. Remember. Don't forget. Comfort. Remember the rapture. I think about Stephen. As Stephen was being stoned for preaching, that spirit-filled preacher looked up in the glory and he saw Jesus at the right hand of the Father and he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. That's significant because Hebrews tells us in chapter one that after Calvary, Jesus ascended, put the blood on the mercy seat and sat down at the right hand of the Father. But when Stephen looked up, Jesus wasn't sitting, Jesus was standing. I think that teaches us that our Lord has great affection for us. He's anticipating coming for us. He was ready at that moment to come and get Stephen. How much more tonight do you think Jesus wants to come for his church in this 
generation. I believe he's coming any moment. Remember the rapture. Paul thought Jesus might come in his own day. He said, we which are alive and remain won't prevent them who are asleep. Paul thought Jesus might come in his own lifetime. If Paul looked for Jesus then, don't you think we ought to be looking for Jesus now? Today we live as redeemed people and we're not waiting for wrath. We ought to be watching for rapture. Our command is to look up for our redemption draweth nigh. 1 Corinthians 15, 52 says in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. That word trump or trumpet is found a lot in connotation with the rapture. And if you study it militarily, the trumpet was used for several things. It was used to call soldiers to rise up. It was used to call soldiers to rally together. And it was used to call soldiers to remove from where they were. And one of these days we're going to hear our commanding officer blast the divine trumpet and thank God we'll rise up, we'll rally together, and we'll remove on out of here. What a glad thought, some wonderful morning. Uh, when I hear Gabriel's trumpet sound, when I wake up to sin no more, rising to meet my blessed Redeemer, with a glad shout I'll leave the ground. When I wake up to sin no more, I don't know about you, it doesn't seem like it helps most of you, you're about dead tonight but it kind of helps me a little bit to understand this is the most hell I'll ever have to experience, this is as bad as it's ever gonna be it's all up from here, this is not the best for the Christian, the best is yet to come, one day I'll trade out earth for eternity I'll trade out this flesh for a glorified body, I'll trade out blacktop for streets of gold I'll trade out my earthly home for a heavenly mansion, tonight I'll our ears ought to be listening for the sound of the trumpet because only one note stands between us and eternity. Remember the rapture. When Jesus comes, it'll be goodbye sin. It'll be goodbye sorrow. It'll be goodbye Satan. We'll take a flight without an airplane, transportation on silver wings. And as we rise into the sky, we'll say goodbye world, goodbye. And we'll leave here to be forever with him. I heard Billy Kelly preach one time. And Billy Kelly was in that great tabernacle at Greer, South Carolina. And he said, I wish God, that I wish Jesus would come back tonight and give me a tongue as long as this tabernacle and let me wag it at the devil all the way home home to glory. I don't know about you but that'd be fine with me. If Jesus came back tonight and we leave the devil this mess to deal with, let him pay our bills, we'll wag our tongue at him all the way up to glory and we we'll thank God we'll be home with the Lord. Lester Roloff said, I've taken plenty of airplane rides but when Jesus comes back, I'll take a plane air ride and that's what's going to happen. One of these days we'll lose all gravitational pull and we'll go up to meet our Savior in the air. Three times in the New Testament, Jesus shouted it. Jesus shouted in the graveyard of Bethany and he called a man by name Lazarus come forth and when he said that one man was resurrected then Jesus shouted on the cross of Calvary and he said it is finished and many saints came forth and walked in Jerusalem but one day soon he's going to shout for the third time and it won't be one man it won't be many saints but every born again person dead and alive is going to rise up to meet him in the air tonight I want to say don't put your roots down too deep. Don't get too comfortable here. This world's not our home. Jesus is coming and he's coming soon. 
Adam saw him coming in the promised seed. Abraham saw him coming in a a providential son. David saw him coming in a perpetual scepter. The world saw him come in a pitiful stable. But one day we'll see him coming in parted clouds as he steps out to call us home. I'm glad Jesus came to the cradle. I'm glad Jesus went to the cross. But what a blessed hope. What a glorious appearing. What a comforting truth to know. The Jesus who came and the Jesus who went is the same Jesus that's coming again. There's a lot of things in this world tonight that are battling for our attention. And they fight like prize fighters in our heart and mind every day, all day long. And they slug it out to grab our attention and steal our focus. I think that's why Paul said, make sure you set your affection on things above. That's why we need to remember the rapture. It's our blessed hope. It's a glorious appearing. It's a comforting consolation. You might forget to shave. You might forget to eat breakfast. You might even forget your kid in the nursery tonight. Whether on purpose or not, we'll never know. But don't forget the rapture. In troublesome days, in trial type days, in hard days, Paul says this, remember the rapture. The Thessalonians are being monkeyed with by men who are twisting the scripture. They're messing with their faith by preaching to them that the bodies of those who had already died in the Lord would be left in the grave at the rapture. The Thessalonians were worrying and sorrowing as those who have no hope because they thought they'd never see their departed loved ones again. So Paul takes his pen and puts it to work refuting the false teachers. And he reassures the Thessalonians that those who sleep in Jesus, meaning those who had died in the Lord, would come out of the grave bodily and be reunited with their soul and spirit in a glorified body in the air. That song I quoted a minute ago has a verse, and it says, sowed in weakness, raised in power, ready to live in paradise when I wake up to sleep no more. And that's the truth. I'm glad time won't prevent it. Decay can't prevent it. Every person who's died in the Lord is going to come forth out of the grave, out of their earthen graves, out of their stone sepulchers, out of the depths of the sea scattered on hillsides and valleys all around the world. Whether they died last week or a century ago or longer, when Jesus comes in the clouds and when that shout rings out the dead in Christ will rise like the lily, like the lily that comes out of the frozen ground every spring. Those who died in the Lord will come up out of the grave and you and I that are alive will likewise be caught up together with them in the clouds. Romans 8 23 says and not only they but ourselves also which have the first fruits of the spirit even we ourselves grown within ourselves waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. 1 Corinthians 15 44 it's sown in natural body it's raised a spiritual body there's a natural body and there is a spiritual body And in spite of the error that was being spread in the days of these Thessalonian Christians, Paul makes it clear that at the rapture, every born-again person, whether dead or alive, is going to rise up and head out when Jesus comes. Now let me just make a parenthetical application. It doesn't have much to do with the rapture, but I think it's still applicable. Paul battled false doctrine and false teachers to protect that church. He didn't let it slide or let it pass, but he took his pen and put it to work correcting error. Can I say error has been battling against truth for as long as truth has been preached into the heart and ear of man. 
This battle is as old as the Garden of Eden and it still goes on tonight. Our day is not any different from the Apostle Paul's day. We have compromisers, Bible correctors, wolves, heretics, and infidels who work overtime in our hour to try to confuse God's people and shipwreck God's saints and to steal God's sheep from the house of God. That's why Paul was so vital in his day and those like Paul, someone had to be valiant for the truth. Now I want you to hear this statement. Error does not have any problem making disciples but truth has difficulty finding defenders and you ought to thank God in 2021 that there's still a place where the truth is fought for the truth is contended for and the truth is defended every generation has to battle for their faith you have to stand up for the faith whether it's salvation creation or the rapture you must contend for the faith and that's what Paul did that's why you ought not get mad and bow up, cross your arms, pooch out your lip, and pout on the internet when the preacher preaches against something. All the horns are dead. Bunch of sorry, backslidden folks driving in on a Wednesday night, not right with God, can't believe it. Pitiful, pitiful, pitiful. That's why we ought to rejoice. Hey, you ought to be glad when he skins your shins in Jesus' name. I like to know if somebody's against something. I'm, I, I get nervous about people that are for everything. They'll rub your back, but they have a knife in their hand while they rub it. I like it when somebody tells me where they're standing. I like it. We ought to thank God for it. Now, you know, I've already told you, the theme of 1 Thessalonians is the rapture of the church. If you break down these five chapters, you can view all of them through that lens of the rapture. In the first chapter, Paul stresses the need for conversion in light of the rapture. It's important that you're saved. Religion won't get you up in the rapture. It takes salvation to get you up in the rapture. In the second chapter, Paul emphasizes our conduct in light of the rapture. Since Jesus is coming, you gotta live like he's coming. In the third chapter, Paul deals with our consecration in light of the rapture. We ought to be sold out, holy, living for God. In the last chapter, chapter 5, Paul urges our continuance in light of the rapture. I don't want to quit today. Jesus might come tonight. And then in chapter 4, where we find ourselves, Paul emphasizes our comfort in light of the rapture. I want to read it again. Verse 15, look at it. For this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. <clears throat> For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. So we can break it down right here. We find out who's coming. The Bible said the Lord himself is coming. We find out how he's coming. He's coming from heaven to the atmosphere of the first heaven in the clouds. He's coming with an archangel. He's going to shout. He's coming with the soul and spirit of those who've already died in Christ. When he comes, the dead in Christ are going to be resurrected and you and I that are alive will be gathered with them in the sky. We'll get a glorified body and then we find the result. The Bible said that forever and ever as the ages roll, we'll be in the presence of the Lord. Can you imagine that moment? Can you imagine that moment when the type of Enoch gives way to the reality of the rapture? 
Can you imagine that moment when the type of Elijah gives way to the reality of the rapture? And we don't read about Enoch being caught up or just read about Elijah being translated, but we get to experience it firsthand. Can I say it's going to happen? And it's going to happen any moment. At any moment, we could hear the trumpet sound. We could hear it blast and see the clouds depart. We could watch as the Lord descends. We could see as the graves open and the bodies of those who've died in the Lord rise up into the sky. Suddenly incorruptible, we'll put, or rather corruption, will put on incorruption and mortality will be swallowed up by immortality. The grave will give way to victory and will rise to a meeting in the air. We sing the hymn, I think we sing it sometimes, the choir does. There's going to be a meeting in the air in the sweet, sweet by and by. That's the truth. There's going to be a meeting. Just as much as creation happened, just as much as incarnation happened, just as much as Calvary happened, just as much as the resurrection happened, one of these days, rapture is going to happen. Thank God for Christmas, but there's also a rapture. Thank God for Calvary, but there's also a rapture. And the same Jesus that went up is coming back down for us. I think about Noah. Noah's a great type of a Jew going through the tribulation, I know that. But I think he's also a great picture of the church in the sense that Noah got in the ark before the flood. And when the judgment came down, he went up. And I'm glad tonight that we won't go through one split nanosecond of the tribulation period. I'm glad we won't have to suffer through one single bit of that judgment we won't have to go through any of that wrath poured out upon this world. But I'm glad that you and I are not looking. I said for wrath, we're waiting on rapture. Just like Noah got in and got out before judgment came down. I'm glad that we got in and we're going to get out before the judgment of God comes down. It could happen any moment. Titus 2.13 says, Looking for that blessed hope and that glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Tonight I say we ought to be looking for it. Not only looking for it, we ought to look forward to it. Our outlook ought to be an up look. Because just any moment now, Jesus is coming. Every time you pass a cemetery, it ought to remind you Jesus is coming. Every time you hear a hospital, or rather a siren blur on its way to the hospital, it ought to remind you Jesus is coming. Every time you stand and see those grieving at a graveside or in a funeral home, it ought to remind you Jesus is coming. Every time you watch as the sun rises on the horizon in the day, it ought to remind you that Jesus is coming. When you watch those leaves fall in the fall and they die, but then you watch those green shoots come forth in the spring, that ought to testify to our heart that Jesus is coming. I was in uh, West Virginia um, several months ago now, and I was driving through the countryside where we used to live, and I have one set of grandparents buried on this hill in Jackson County, West Virginia. And then I have other family and my grandma on the other side buried on a hill in Roan County, West Virginia. And I drove past that hill in Jackson County, West Virginia. I thought, you know what? That road's curved around down below that hill and up on the hills, those graves up there. You know what that is? That's one of God's gardens up there. We planted their body there 2013. 2000, I think it was 2011, my grandmother died, maybe preached their funerals, we planted them there. But thank God, just like the flowers in spring, one of these days, that shout will ring out, that trumpet's going to blast, and thank God they're going to bloom again, amen. 
I drove a half hour or so, 30 miles to Rome County, West Virginia, and drove up the curvy hill side to my parents' house, and there's a cemetery on either side of the road. And over the bank on the other side of the hill is a grave of my grandmother. I preached her funeral when she passed away, and we buried her. We planted her there. But I just say that's one of God's gardens. One of these days when that trumpet sounds and that shout rings out, she's going to bloom again. Tonight I was thinking on that phrase, comfort one another with these words. I think one of the reasons we see so much carnality and so much discontentment among Christian people is that we're not rapture conscious. We're not living rapture ready because we're not rapture reminded. Curtis Hudson said some truths are so true that they lay bedfast in the dormitory of our mind. And can I say well, sometimes we know these things so well that they don't stir us any longer. But I want to challenge you tonight as you go through the rest of this week with all of the weirdness in our society, and as we live through the remainder of this year with all the things yet to come, and as we wait and watch for him to return, every day we ought to remember the rapture. The best illustration I can think is in the Old Testament, and I'll close. The little book of Ruth in the Old Testament. I think about Ruth who was cast off because of her birth in the wrong nation, part of the wrong family. Nobody wanted her. She was unworthy. But Boaz, a man, a mighty man of wealth, wanted her. She found grace in his eyes. She went into Boaz one night on the threshing floor, and you know the story, she uncovered his feet, woke him up, and he looked at her, and she looked at him, and she basically proposed to him. And he said, you know what, I'll take you. That woman that nobody else wanted, that woman that had so much stigma, that woman that was an obvious sinner cast off from the congregation of the Lord. He said, you know what, I'll take you. She had no power. He had all power. She had a name below every name. His name was above every name. And he said, I'll redeem you. I like it. She sent... She, she was sent home. He loaded her down with a little bit of barley. She went home. And you know what she had to do? She had to sit there and live on faith that he was going to keep his word and come and take her to be his, her, his bride. She was sitting there in the house day by day, probably thinking, I hope he'll come today. If he doesn't come today, I hope he'll come tomorrow. And she just had to sit there by faith. Well, he told me he's going to come. Maybe he'll come. Now, she couldn't see it, and she didn't know what was happening. But while she was waiting on this side, he was working on her behalf on that side. He was preparing a place, if you will, for Ruth. I think about that while she's sitting there saying, he told me he's going to come. Maybe he'll come today. She couldn't see it, but it didn't change the fact Boaz was alive and he was working on her behalf. He was preparing to come for her. Can you imagine that day when Boaz came down the road and that caller went before Boaz and said, behold, the bridegroom cometh. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. And Ruth looks out the window and she sees Boaz coming down the road faith gave way to sight and she got united with her redeemer can I say the same thing is happening in our life right now I know sometimes it's hard to live by faith it doesn't always feel like Jesus is coming you might not see him working in your life but can I say while we're waiting on this side he's preparing a place on that side and scoffers might come and critics might come and circumstances might change but one day the caller is going to sound out behold the bridegroom cometh and faith will give way to sight and we'll see him as we is and we'll rise up to meet him in the air. Remember the rapture. The Bible said it's a blessed hope. The Bible said it's a glorious appearing. Why? Because we get to see him. The Bible says that the grave gives way to victory. The Bible says it's comforting. D.L. Moody was asked 
how is it that you preach so many effective sermons? And he told the man who asked him, he said, I never preach a sermon without remembering that Jesus might come before I finish it. How are you going to live a successful Christian life? How are you going to stay on the winning side? How are you going to keep from getting sucked into the news and depressed and pessimistic? Every day you live, you're going to have to remember that Jesus might come before the day's out and set your affection on things above. For the Lord himself would ascend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with those words. Jesus is coming. I'm going to have a word of prayer. Maybe tonight you came to church and you drug five or six different burdens with you to church. And today your affections have been set upon burdens. Maybe you've got problems and your affections have been set upon your problems. Maybe you're so wrapped up in what's happening in our world, your affections have gotten drawn down to this world. Tonight I want to challenge you. Block it out for just a little while and remember the rapture. And I think it'll help you. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.